This is part two of Generosity Revolution. And last week we laid the foundation. If you'd like to listen to that message, it's available online. Uh, But we started by defining terms. It's always good to have a common language as we uh, talk about things of the kingdom. And we defined the term generosity like this. It's a readiness to give or share more than is necessary or expected. Generosity. Generosity. It's a desire, it's a a willingness, it's a a readiness to share more, more than is expected or necessary. Generosity. On the other side is revolution. Revolution. It's a forcible overthrow of something old in favor of something new. A forcible overthrow. There's a lot of action to that word. And so we put those concepts together. A generosity revolution. A generosity revolution. And why are we talking about this? Why generosity revolution? And and last week we looked at the fact that uh, really by and large statistics show that we aren't really all that generous. Now we may think we are. We might picture in our mind that we are a generous person or a generous nation. But by and large uh, statistics tell us otherwise. For Jesus' followers, that's got to change. And that warrants a generosity revolution. A forcible overthrow of the old way, the the selfish way, the me-centered way, in favor of a new system that is willing to share more than is necessary or expected. The Jesus way, in other words. We need a new encounter with a mastermind of this revolution. His name is Jesus. Do you know him? Do you know him? He is the one who stands behind the revolution in a lot of different ways. Last week we were challenged by some questions. I asked, are you a generous person? Would you consider yourself to be a generous person? Are you part of a generous family? Would you consider your family to be generous? Are we a generous church family uh, together? Generosity is a lifestyle of joyfully sharing, going above and beyond what is expected, sharing with others, because you see, it's a visible demonstration of who God is, and we we broke that all down last week. God is, in fact, very, very generous. That's what the Bible proves, and I believe that generosity is a measurable response to God's grace. It's how we know that we've encountered God's grace. Here's what Paul said. For your generosity will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. And when people look at our lives, if we're generous, that is proof positive that we have encountered the grace of Christ, his generous grace that has been poured out to us. We discovered how generous God is and our need to be more like him through surrendering our lives to his lordship and following him. That's not easy, but it is so very satisfying. Now, many in this room have faced significant financial setbacks in recent years. I I get that. Overall wealth in America, though, in the last 60 years has increased at a record pace. Statistics show that very, very clearly, even taking into account the crash of 2008, which impacted many, including uh, Cindy's mom and dad, who lost much of their retirement in the crash of 2008. That affected me, even though I wasn't in this country. Moving here from Bangkok, Thailand, uh, that played a part in what happened to us when we moved to Sheboygan at the start of 2009. 
But even with those kind of bumps in the road factored in, the overall wealth of America has grown exponentially over the last 60 years. Interestingly, however, the percentage of income Americans have given over that time has been decreasing. So we've seen this explosion of, of wealth and prosperity in many ways in the lives of Americans over the last 60 years. In that same period of time, the generosity has been decreasing. Hmm, how do we put that together? Why is this? I believe when our security is threatened by job loss or scarcity, we are tempted to lock up or store away stuff. Scripturally speaking, scarcity is a spiritual cancer in the heart of an individual or in the heart of a church. That's a rather strong statement. Let me say it again. Scarcity is a spiritual cancer in the heart of an individual or in the heart of a church family. Hmm, ponder that for a moment. Generosity is, in my opinion, the only cure for that. That's why we need a generosity revolution, so we are more like Jesus. Now, God is working in amazing ways as churches and individuals actually choose an opposite approach. And rather than hanging on, they're doing something quite different. Rather than circling the wagons and clenching the fist and saying, we got to hang on to what we got, Individuals and churches across the country are opening their hand and saying we're going to be generous with whatever we have because we believe that God has it all under control. That's revolutionary. Other churches have responded in fear to troubling economic times. They hang on to whatever resources they might have in order to ride out the storm. And it's like those who will buy staples at Walmart after hearing a special weather statement predicting a severe storm. So Saturday morning I'm looking at, oh, oh my goodness, weather advisory, six to nine inches on Monday. They're saying this on Saturday morning. That's pretty good. Everybody responds in fear. Oh my goodness, six to nine inches of snow. But don't worry, the weather statement says it will be light and powdery snow. It's not going to be heavy. Isn't that great? And so we go out, walk around in this culture of fear that everything, the wheels are going to come off this thing and we're not going to have much to live on. Hmm, hmm. Now, some churches have determined their goal is to simply survive. Leaders lock down on ministry budget. They stop investing in non-essential ministries and basically they stop growing. Unfortunately, many of the people in those churches follow that example. And rather than being generous, the people within that kind of church with that mindset begin to hang on to what they have and uh, the whole thing begins to dry up. While the leader's decision may have seemed sensible in the long run, it simply reveals, in my opinion, a lack of faith and a being overrun with fear. When a church operates out of the belief There is only limited resources for the work of ministry. There's only so much to go around. It really places limits on the vision of what God can do and what God wants to do because it all belongs to him anyway. So we have to be very cautious here. It restricts the ability of people to think beyond our current capacity. We're looking at what we have, how meager it is, and look into the Old Testament, look at the stories of that which is meager being used in the hands of God in incredible fashions. It's throughout the Bible. It really is. So this creates a scarcity mindset, which is rooted in the fear that one day we're going to run out of money. We're going to run out of resources. And that's why we need a generosity revolution, because God's not going to run out of resources. He won't. He can't. 
He's God and he loves us. He cares for us. And if, if I'm the pastor, but I don't care whatever church I am, if we run out of money, that's God's will, okay. He's got something else for us, right? We don't have to live in fear about this. It all is about him. And God has given us so much. Would you agree with me? abundantly. Wow. The expectation is that Jesus wants me to be generous because he was first generous with me, and he wants me to do it joyfully. So what did he say? Freely you have received, freely give. Makes sense, doesn't it? Doesn't it? The salvation that cost him everything was given to us, and he wants us to respond in, with that same kind of generosity. And just as God has given good gifts to us, he wants us to generously share the good stuff with others. Here's what Paul said in a couple of passages. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. Ephesians 4.28, if you're a thief, quit stealing. That's good advice, wouldn't you see? Instead, use your hands for good, hard work, and then give generously to others in need. Wow. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Now, if we look into Malachi, Malachi said you're robbing God by not being generous with him. So Paul says, knock it off. Quit being a thief and stealing from God. What? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Think about that. Now I'm reminded of Cornelius, a Roman army officer, and this is what the Bible says about Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. That's his story. In Acts 10 too, it says, he gave generously and prayed regularly. I'd like that to be an epitaph on my tombstone, right? Aren't those beautiful words? He gave generously and prayed regularly. Wow, what a life summary. What a beautiful picture of a life lived for God. And then in verse 4, he's visited by an angel, and the angel says, Your prayers and gifts, Cornelius, have been received by God as an offering. That's an amazing concept. The gifts that you gave and the prayers that you offered have been received by God as an offering directly from him. Wow, that is kind of a cool, cool concept. God gives generously to us. We give generously to others, and God gets the glory, and that's how this thing works. It's all about giving glory to God. Hmm. Now, if I think I own what I have, then it's mine to use and give at my discretion. If I think I own what I have. Do you own what you have? I just got a new car. I just got a new phone. I just got a new computer. Well, I just got a new whatever it is, right? Is that yours? Not really. It's not really. And as I mentioned to you, the shoes on my feet, to the clothes on my back, to the kids and grandkids around my table, all belong to God. They are all gifts from Him. They don't belong to me. I use them for His glory. If I understand this principle, then I have to work on it constantly. If God owns it all, then I'm merely an instrument of generosity to distribute God's stuff to others. Hmm. Now, generosity is much more than a financial issue. We talked about that last week at length. Generosity is far more than a money matter. It's really a spiritual issue. It's an issue of the heart. It goes way beyond finances. Really, it's a love issue. What's love got to do with it? Really, everything. Look at the logo again. Look at the logo. Generosity does not come from the head but it's an issue of the heart. It's a love issue. What am I in love with? We respond to the generous love that God has shown us. And when we respond to that love, we become a generous follower 
of Jesus because he first loved us. We can then love others in the generous way that we've been loved. God loves a cheerful giver. That's what the Bible says. Anyone who is delightfully devoted to God's plan of generously living, he loves that. He loves generous people, cheerful givers. And while we've been saying generosity is much more than a money matter, our attitude toward money is perhaps the best indicator of our generosity capacity. You see, if we can't handle the money, how are we going to be generous in other areas of life? So although generosity is far more than a financial issue, it becomes then the baseline marker of how we see this whole topic. Jesus said, if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? The spiritual stuff, the kingdom stuff, the eternal stuff, the important stuff in life. If we can't get a handle on money, which is just way down here, how in the world can we be generous with everything way up here? And so he, he begins to teach, and his number one topic of teaching was money. And so he builds off of that foundation. Our attitude toward money is an entry-level generosity indicator. If we want to live a generous life, then we start way down here by looking at oh, how you handle the money that God gives you. So included in the generosity package is this idea of money. It's a baseline indicator. Here's what Ron Blue, financial guru, said. You can't fake stewardship. Your checkbook reveals all that you really believe about stewardship. A life story could be written from a checkbook. It reflects your goals, your priorities, convictions, relationships, even your use of time. It's all there if we look at money. Everything else kind of stems from that. A person who's been a Christian for even a short while can fake prayer, Bible study, evangelism, going to church, and so on, but he can't fake what his checkbook reveals. Ooh. And so the, here becomes an indicator. If we say we're generous, if you say you're a generous person or you say you're part of a generous family, uh, how do we measure that? Here's a way of measuring that. Just way down here in the bottom. What do we think about money? How do we handle the money that really belongs to God? A generosity revolution also has to happen for the sake of the next generation. Now, I don't want to be a 60-year-old guy that stands up here and says, oh, these kids these days, oh my goodness, they don't know anything about generosity. They're also self-centered and selfish. I don't want to be like that i don't want to be like that but i want to make sure as the pastor of this church that our children understand a generous lifestyle because i'm sick and tired about hearing a 12 year old whine because they don't have the latest iphone that bugs me that bugs me that bugs me i got grandkids that age i get that i i get that right Uh, raising selfless, generous kids doesn't happen by accident. Nothing with generosity happens by accident. Here's what Isaiah wrote. Generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. Generous people plan to do what is generous. And if we're going to have generous kids, we better plan to teach them how to live generously for the sake of the next generation. I think that parents who are doing this well are intentionally and consistently making sure their kids are aware of the feelings and the needs of others. They're looking around and seeing the world not for them, but for others. It's other-centered. And you, do, you are aware of that. Your kids and grandkids, they're pretty self-centered. Because you are. Because I am, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's why we need a generosity revolution. These parents fight the tendency of trying to make their child feel as though you're the center of the universe, honey. What do you want? What do you need? Hmm, hmm, hmm. They resist the fear of saying no or denying their child, watching them stomp off to their room. Well, big deal. 
Let them stop all they want to. Good on you. We're here to reinforce what you're attempting to teach your children at home. We're only here to reinforce what you're attempting to teach your children at home. We want generous kids. I want to see the next generation generous. How about you? So one of the fastest ways to increase selflessness is by catching your kid doing something generous, something unselfish, and praising them for it. It works. Now, this is my latest project. Oh, my goodness. We were on the waiting list for a year for an Australian doodle. Very special dog. Love the dog, right? This, I figure, is going to be my last dog, so I wanted to do this thing right. And now she's here. (laughs) Tika, you know what? Potty training's a blast. Potty training's a blast. Whoa. House breaking a dog, right? You got to catch them doing the right thing praise them for it rather than constantly scolding them for doing the wrong thing that works a whole lot better doesn't it yeah Yeah, works a lot better with raising kids too. catch them doing the right thing and building up those moments when they're doing the right stuff rather than always being on them for the wrong stuff this animal responds incredibly well to praise for doing the right the dog wants to do the right thing doesn't know how to do the right thing we're helping tika understand here's the right thing to do you go to the bathroom outside not the kitchen outside outside right okay Uh, it's a work in progress yeah positive reinforcement that works and now we're working on our grandkids with the same kind of mindset not the bathroom thing but the (laughs) uh, did you see kelly smile when you shared your toys you made her so happy when you did that look at the difference you made in her life when you shared your toys with her I want to see a generous generation. When church leaders at a conference were asked to share how they disciple children about the biblical teaching of generosity, the response was you could almost hear a pin drop. Many leaders aren't prepared to discuss this issue, let alone teach it to kids, because we don't get it up here. Now here at Southside, we're going to counter this selfishness by including kids in selfless acts. That's why we include our children in faith in action. When we go out of this building to serve our community, the kids are an important part of that. We're teaching them it's beyond the walls of the church. We've got to get out and we've got to help. And that's why Blake took Liam out to Colorado to serve together. Teach the children at that age. Fantastic. Fantastic. And so in Kid Connect, we moved away from the system of the store and reward. You memorize this, you do this, you go to the store, you buy your stuff. That's all cool. Nothing necessarily wrong with that. But we want to get off of this, hey, uh, I'm going to beat you kind of mentality. We're going to do this as a team. We're going to learn to be generous together. Right? Very, very important in my opinion. And so uh, recently in Kid Connect, and I'm told that Giant Rice could tell John, why don't you stand once? Don't you think John's a great guy? Amen. Yeah, you can, you can applause. That's right. John, tell me if this story was true. This is the way that I got it. Uh, John spends a lot of time teaching your children. He's passionate about it. He does a great job. Well, he was teaching them recently, and they had the worship response, and he had the kids write their name on a card. And he put the cards in the bucket. Each child was asked to take out a card to pray for that kid. And John had to fight them off because they were all digging in the bucket for the card with their own name on it. Is that true? Thank you, John. You may be seated. Is that your story and you're sticking with it? Okay, very good. 
And I'm not saying our kids are selfish. I'm not saying that at all. Because uh, as I get the prayer requests from Kid Connect, here's one that just came in last week. Help me love other people. Might need to work on the spelling just a little bit, but that's not the important thing. I've got two words right, but it's all good. It's all good, right? It's all good. They didn't have a computer, that's why. Didn't have an iPad to type that thing out. Uh, Help me love other people. Isn't that a beautiful sentiment coming from the heart of a child? It's in there. We need to unlock it. Jesus wants to unlock that in the big people too because we tend to be a little selfish. I know my own heart. I've got to work on this. I've got to constantly be reminded of this. The elders have wrestled with an important challenge. Are we leading Southside with a belief in the abundance of God's resources or are we leading this church with a belief that resources are scarce? They're hard to come by. Is Southside's culture one of generosity or is it one of scarcity? How are we doing as a church family? Now, some may feel that following the call to be a generous church is unwise. It defies common sense. I tell you, giving, you, giving to God at any level defies common sense. It makes no sense at all. But it's what he says and it works. It might be too much for our tight church budget to endure. After all, there's barely enough to go around now. How can we be thinking about generosity? But I'm here to say... God owns it all, and he's got it under control. Now, what I'm not saying, don't hear what I'm not saying. Do I have a savings account? Yes, absolutely. Do I have make sure that I'm prepared should something happen? Yes, we need to be prepared. But it has to do with an issue, the attitude of the heart. Are we generous? Do we understand? It all belongs to God anyway. How we use our money is more telling than nearly anything else that we do. I'm convinced of that. How we spend says a lot about us. How we save spends says a lot about us. But we make the clearest statement of all. When we are generous with God's resources. Are we generous? That's what we wrestle with at the leadership level. Here's what Paul said about the Macedonian churches. He's writing a church in Corinth trying to stimulate them to giving. So he uses an example from the churches of Macedonia. And here's what he says. They are being tested by many troubles and they are very poor. Poor churches, right? But they are also filled with abundant joy which is overflowed in rich generosity. This is incredible. It's absolutely incredible, is it not? They're very poor, but their love for Jesus, their devotion to him, overflowed with rich generosity, so they shared what they had. It was an incredible thing. And God kept pouring resources into them. The question is, do we want to be a reservoir or do we want to be a river of God's generosity? Yeah, if we all cling to it like this, he's going to give us so much, but if we open it up, he's going to let it flow through us and the generosity will continue to multiply. That's the way that God works. But first, we have to correct the attitude of the heart. So where are we as a church family? Now, uh, statistics uh, can do a whole bunch of stuff, but, but this one was kind of interesting. I've done this in churches that I pastored in the past. Uh, here's a chart. This is an interesting kind of chart. It kind of gives me an indication uh, of where we are. Now, the top, where the little church things are, that's the percentage of our budget, 49, 25, 26 should add up to 100 if I'm right or close to it. Okay, so that's the percent of the budget. Now, the number below that with the little people holding hands is the number of giving units. So 14, 18, 32, and 80. Now, what this chart says is this 49% of our budget, which is roughly a, a quarter million dollars, 
comes from 14 giving units in this church who are giving over $12,000 a year on average. Okay? Now, the next 25% of our budget is given by 18 units giving over $5,000 a year average. 20% of our budget is given by 32 giving units in this church of $2,200 a year. Now, 6% of our budget is given by 80 giving units in this church. 250 bucks a year, five bucks a week. That's a nice little tip, God. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Because there's some people way on the left that might not be very generous. They might be given a lot of money. doesn't make them generous. There's some people on the right that are given 250 bucks a year, that's an incredible stretch for them. Might be a student, might be somebody on a fixed income, and they're being very generous just giving 250 bucks a year. I don't know who gives what, right? I just get numbers, right? There's no names attached. I don't want to know because this is between you and God. This is an obedience issue. But I'm looking overall, are we generous as a church? Are we generous as a church? That means that half of our church budget is given by 32 giving units in this church. And then we got the right-hand side. And that may be generous as well. But then I look and say, hmm, I go on the Chamber of Commerce website, and the average median salary in Sheboygan County is $52,000 a year. If people were giving 10% of that, that would be $5,000. Huh. Huh. So, these are numbers. What does it have to do with generosity? Because each one of us is one of those people on that chart. Where are you? It's between you and the Lord. But if we're going to be, let me just say this about that. Are we a generous church? I believe we're a very, very generous church. I want to say that from the outset. When the district puts all the numbers together of churches giving per unit, we're always right near the top. Some very large churches, some very small churches, but Southside is always near the top. There's some people sacrificially giving in this church, obviously, to make that happen. Thank you. Thank you. And there's some people way on the right side that are very, very generous. Thank you. The Lord bless you. Be that river of God's generosity. But for each of us, this is a matter that we consider together. How can we be more generous to have greater impact on this community and around the world? What will it take? It starts right here. Am I a generous person? Do I understand that it all belongs to God anyway? Hmm. Hmm. What do we do with this? Are we generous? How do we become more generous? Can we do this better? Yes, we can. Author Ron Sider wrote in Christian, Rich Christians in an Age of Hunger, This is pretty strong, but I liked it. For Christians in the richest nation in history to be giving only 2.43% of their income to the churches is not just stinginess, it is biblical disobedience, blatant sin. We have become so seduced by the pervasive consumerism and materialism of our culture that we hardly notice the ghastly disjunction between our incredible wealth and the needs of our world. Over the last 40 years, American Christians, as we have grown progressively richer, have given a smaller and smaller percent of our growing income to the ministries of our churches. 
Such behavior flatly contradicts what the Bible teaches about God, justice, and wealth. We should be giving not 2.4%, but 10%, 15%, even 25 35% or more to kingdom work. And there are people in this church that give like 20 30% of their income to the kingdom work. I know that. And they, you'll never know about them because they'll never say it. Because they're doing it for God and not for man. But they understand the blessing that comes from that. Ben Hayden wrote this. I want to tell you something from observation. I've never met anyone who tithed who did not tend to be happy about the fact he did. He was not just happy about tithing, but about a lot of other things. I've never met anybody who tithed very long who gave it up. I have never met anyone who tithed who did not say, at some time it has been extremely difficult. Generous people seem to be the happy ones. Miserly people seem to be the unhappy ones. Just look around and you can tell. And so what I'm saying in all of this is this. God is generous. God is extremely good to us. He wants us, in turn, to be generous people. And it's not easy being generous sometimes. Statistics show that we're swimming upstream because we're getting more and more selfish as time goes on. Even as our wealth increases, we're getting more selfish. Something's got to give. That's why we need a generosity revolution to put this thing back the way the Lord intended it. So he is the Lord of all. And so I like what Ben said. He said, I've never met anyone who tithed who did not tend to be happy about the fact that he did. And he's also never met someone who tithed who didn't say at some time it's been extremely difficult. It's true. Being generous can be extremely difficult. And so uh, I'd like Steve and Candy to share just for a moment. Wayne, thanks for doing such a great job back there in the sound. He's, can you get this one up? Where's Steve and Candy? Where are you? Oh, they're back here. Good, good. Why don't you guys stand? Can you say hi to Steve and Candy? Good. Step right on out here. Great. Well, here you go. Hey, Stephen Candy. Come on. This thing on. No. There it is. Try it, Steve. It's on. No, it's not. No, it is. No, listen to your own voice. It's kind of cool. It's on. How'd that sound? Good. Try candy. No. Okay. <laughs> well, good. Thank you guys for your willingness to do this. Uh, you guys did not always tithe, is that correct? That's correct. Uh, when did that start, and how uh, did it start? We've, we've been members here since uh, March of 06, and we did not uh, give our full 10% until uh, January of 13. This is the start of our fifth year now. And we're... Where I see Candy and I where we were and what the Lord has done for us since we're tithing, uh, it's amazing. God is predictable in in, uh, what he gives to us, but what's not predictable is how he does it. And it's it's just amazing uh, what God does, blessings, uh, monetary, family blessings. But the biggest blessing, I believe, is that God enables us to bless others. And when you look at our budget and, and how God is working that all out, it amazes me sometimes. So. 
So you operate off a budget? Yes. Yeah. And uh, what was the turning point? What made you decide that you wanted to be more generous with God's resources? Uh, well, we had a trust in the Lord 100% because in January of 13, Candy just quit her job. She couldn't go part-time because then we're not trusting fully in the Lord. She quit her job, so that's when we decided to trust in the Lord 100% and give our 10%. Great. And the Lord also enables us to give above and beyond other ministries as well. Uh, like I said, he, he enables us to bless others. And I think that's the most important blessing that, that we could receive. Terrific. Terrific. Kenny, before you share, uh, I'd like us to worship the Lord in our giving. So ushers, if you are prepared, uh, they're just going to pass the plates uh, as we give our uh, gifts to the Lord this morning. And so many of you can go ahead and do that. Now, Candy, let me ask you this. Uh, has it always been easy to give generously? Okay. No. And uh, tell us what happens. You, you told me a story about you're the one that gets the mail. And when you see it's a bill, well, just tell us that. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, usually when bills come in, and, and they do, I mean, let's be honest, if it's not bills or junk mail, you get nothing. <laughs> so every day when I get the mail, you know, it's, it comes in. And, you know, those bills are going to pay themselves. And after Steve does the budget, it's, there's not much left. There's really not. So most of the time I just, you know, hold them up and say, Jesus, you got mail. I don't know where the money's coming from, and I don't. You know, once our budget's figured out, most of the time we're living in the red, but at the end of the month everything's paid for. So Jesus, you got mail. Jesus, you got mail. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool, don't you? And uh, just like recently, you had some car repairs, is that correct? Uh, actually, the car hasn't been fixed. Um, what... We have wrong with the car needs to be fixed, and uh, what we gave last week in our tithing could have fixed the car right away, but uh, we decided to tithe it anyways, and it's not my vehicle, it's the Lord's, and he's going to take care of getting it fixed. I don't know when, but he when, will. Once you give 10% and you tithe, there's no going back to not giving. So you would agree with what Ben Hayden said. He never met a person who gave regularly, generously, joyfully to the Lord who gave it up. Absolutely. You haven't given it up. But it's not always been easy. No. So tell us how you've been able to be generous with others because you've been generous with God. Um, you know what? It, it varies, you know. Um, we give when we find a need. And uh, I don't sweat the small stuff. Um, if somebody's in trouble or needs a couple hundred dollars for groceries or, um, you know, because they've fallen on bad times or whatever, we just do it. And we don't think about it. And uh, uh, God's good. He just really is. He takes care of us and he meets all of our needs. So um, for us, us to not meet somebody else's need um, would be such a disrespect to God. Thank you, Candy. When Candy starts to cry, we better quit. Because <laughs> this doesn't happen. But I, I want to introduce you to the new Candy. Um, that trip to Thailand just uh, changed her dramatically. And now she cries. 
you didn't hear that, she just said, shut it. Um, yeah, yeah, which is a term of respect for a pastor. I get that. Um, and I will, because I will bear the consequences of not shutting it. Um, but thank the two of you. Just thank God. Thank God. Common, normal, everyday life situations, and you have found God to be generous. Is that true? He's predictable in how he gives to us, but what's not predictable is how he does it. Yeah, but he does it. He does it. That's the important point. Thank you, too. Let's hear it for Stephen Candy. And, you know, across this room, there would be story after story of God's faithfulness in doing all that. God is generous. He wants us, in return, to be generous. I want to be a part of a generous family that starts with me first. I want to be a part of a generous church family. Let's figure out how to do this. Let's be a part of the generosity revolution and see what God can do with all of his stuff. May this be true of us. They share freely and give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. They will have influence and honor. God, stir our hearts 